Gospel Harvest, we are wrapping up our We Are series, finishing the four pillars. And we've spent this last month unpacking these four pillars because these aren't just phrases that sound nice. Uh, These aren't just collecting dust somewhere here in the building. Uh, This is the driving force. These four pillars are are the motivation of everything that we do, of of who we are. These pillars are, are holding us up as a church. That's what pillars do, right? They, they hold things up. Pillars are always working together, right? If, if you have one pillar that's standing out alone by itself, that's not a pillar. That's called a pole. <laughs> pillars, plural, working together. Pillars are always a part of something bigger than themselves, holding. They are load-bearing. They are holding the structure up, equally supporting, working in unison, four pillars. And a building is only going to be as strong as its weakest pillar, right? The same is true for us as a church, that that we will only be as strong, we will only be as, as healthy as our weakest pillar. And more than a place, we, right, us, we are the church. So this series, we've been asking the question, is this me? As we think about the, the four pillars, as we've been preaching on the four pillars, is, is this me? In my home, here at church, with my family, at work, at school, in the community, these four pillars, are these things load-bearing in your life? Are they, they the things that, that are holding you up? Well, this morning, we're going to finish our four pillars, and uh, this is our pillar of prayer. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. We want to be a church, in one word, unceasing in our prayer. Here's a quick show of hands, just honestly. Who could grow in their prayer life? I know I can. We want to be growing. We want to be increasing as a church, as a people in our prayer life. We, we believe in prayer. We, we value prayer. We know prayer is a priority, but prayer... It just has the habit of crawling off the table, doesn't it? Prayer just, it just gets away. Prayer just slips away from us. And so this morning, we, we see a title like this, Unceasing Prayer, and you're thinking, are you kidding me? Really? Seriously? Unceasing? Listen, this morning, this morning is not about trying harder. This, this morning is not about doing better. This morning is not mad about prayer. We're going to guilt trip us into praying more. We're not going to get out our phones and turn them to the holy hour of 4 a.m. Tomorrow morning, we're all going to get up and pray. Everybody say, that, that's, that's not what we're doing. The hardest thing with prayer is starting. So this morning, we, we're going to respond to the Lord. We're going to take some time to respond, and, and we are going to, to respond in worship and prayer. See, we're not just going to talk about it. I'm not just going to preach on it. We're going to spend time this morning praying. There's no fancy formulas for prayer. There's no magic tricks for prayer. We're just going to spend some time responding to the Lord and praying. Psalms 27, four things, that's it. Four things that can be helpful for our prayer life. As, as we want to be a people uh, growing and increasing in our prayer, four things, as we walk out these doors, four things to help us pray. It's not a checklist. There's no magic tricks. 
four things. Psalms 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Starting this, this prayer of David, he, he says the Lord. He's addressing the Lord. Th- this is the name Yahweh. This isn't a title. This is a name. We have, we have names. Names are, are part of what make us of human, of, of what make us relational beings. Here, David is addressing Yahweh. This is the personal name of the Lord. This is the relational name of the Lord. Before any rules were given in the Old Testament, first God gave a relationship. He he reached out and called a group of people to himself saying, I am your God and you are my people. See, I'm stating the obvious here, but but prayer, it flows out of this, this relationship. This, this personal relationship. We see this even more clearly in the New Testament with Jesus. As Jesus is praying to my Father, right? Abba, this, that prayer is, is flowing out of this, this personal relationship that, that David, he's, he's not addressing the Lord as, as the, the great almighty king, right? He, he doesn't say that. He, he doesn't say the, the one true God of the universe. He, he says the Lord, the relationship. Prayer flows out of this, this personal relationship with the Lord. And, and David says, the Lord is, is my light, my salvation. He, he is the stronghold of, of my life. Do you, do you see what David's doing here? He's, he's reminding himself of who God is, the, the attributes of, of what God is like and what God has done. He says, my life, my stronghold, my, my salvation. God doesn't forget who he is, but we do, right? We so easily forget things. This week, who, who has lost their keys? Who, who has misplaced their, their phone? Who's misplaced children? How does that happen? We forget things. The day of my wedding, the day of my wedding, the bridal party, everybody, I mean, it's half the wedding. Everybody is is at my my in-law's house. We're all changing, getting ready. And and you know, the bride can't see the groom. So everybody else is is changing upstairs. And then I am the one person down in the basement, showering, changing, I'm getting ready. And I'm just waiting there. And I'm thinking, man, it's, nobody's come and got me yet. This has been a while, so I start walking up the stairs carefully because I can't see the bride. This is like flashback to Home Alone. I walk up the stairs, and I'm like, hello? They left me. I went outside. And I mean, the, the place was like a parking lot. There were dozens of cars. I go outside, and all of, there's one car left. It's the broken-down car with a flat tire. My brother... He was the best man. He forgot me. My wife, her two brothers, they were the other groomsmen. They forgot me. I had to drive myself to my own wedding in a broken down car with a flat tire. When I got there, they didn't even know I was missing. We forget things, right? We, we forget, did you forget that? Yeah, she forgot that. 
I obviously have not forgotten that. (laughs) We forget things. We forget even important things. And here, David, in his prayer, he is reminding himself who God is and what God has done. That is how he starts his prayer. See, in this prayer, David is reminding himself who the Lord is and, and how the Lord has shown up in his life in so many ways, and that is, that is building his faith, because faith is the opposite of fear. That's why two times David says, I am not afraid. He says, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? Because faith is the opposite of fear. What are some things that bring us fear? Verse 2. When evildoers assail me, when when I am wrongly attacked, when when I am accused, it says to eat up my flesh. I hope that doesn't happen to us. When, When I am being hunted down and treated like a wild animal, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army a camp against me, right? When, when conflict is surrounding me, when, when just over the hill, just around the corner, all I can see is trouble, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me. I mean, when your back is up against the wall and all you see in front of you is a fight, is a battle, is war, what does he say? Yet I will be confident. See, unceasing prayer begins with declaring our confidence in God. This faith, this, this doesn't happen overnight. I, I mean, this, this takes time. This takes the ups and downs, the twists, the turns of life. When David is writing this psalm, he's, he's not a little shepherd boy David is is rehearsing. He is looking back over decades of spending time with the Lord. And every single time, the Lord has shown up. The Lord has proven himself time and time again that the Lord is faithful. And so David is reminding himself. He's looking at his life, reminding, rehearsing. See, David has a front row seat and watching God work. And David is reminding himself who the Lord is and what the Lord has done in his life. And this is building his faith to the point of this this confidence. He's not self-assured. This isn't arrogance. This is confidence. This is expectation of what the Lord has promised to do. This is increasing his faith. This is keeping him from fear. Maybe for you today, you're in a place where Honestly, you don't, you don't see God working. Maybe you're in a, a place where you just, you've been burned in the past. And maybe just the, the pain is just, it's too real, it's too raw, it's too recent. And, and maybe for you, you're just struggling to have this, this type of confidence. Just maybe you're filled with fear. When Jesus... When he rose Lazarus from the dead, Jesus was praying, and and he prayed out loud. And the reason Jesus says he prayed out loud was not so that God would hear him, but so that the others around him would hear him and put their faith and trust in the Lord. See, we don't want to just talk about prayer. We, We want to pray. 
And so for maybe for you today, if you're at a point where you're just struggling to see God at work in your life, just struggling to see the Lord showing up, we want to pray. We want for you to overhear our prayer, to put your faith and trust in the Lord. We're not just going to talk about prayer. We're going to pray. And maybe this week, this can be the starting point for you in your life that you can take this home and begin building some confidence, building some faith, reminding yourself, rehearsing to yourself who God is and what he has done in your life. Church, join me. Let's, let's pray. And Lord, you have, have delivered me. You have swooped down and rescued me. Jesus, you have spared me. Lord, I've seen you do it once. I know you can do it again. And God, I am trusting in you. I don't have a plan B. I am completely relying on you. God, you're the only option I have. Give me faith, not fear. God, you alone are worthy of our praise. We have seen your awesome power at work in our lives and in this church. In your word we read, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. Come and hear all you who fear God. And again, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. We thank you because we know that you have heard us. We know that you love us and that you work mightily in our lives. Lord, we praise you for your wonderful deeds. From the smallest blessings to the biggest miracles, we see evidence that we serve an almighty God. Oh, that we may always remember your wondrous works and have faith that you are sovereign in all circumstances. And may we look forward to what you are about to do here among us. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Amen. Lord, you are good, and all you do is good. Teach me your ways. The psalmist has has it right, and I have no doubt that all you do is good. The problem may come, Lord, when I define good, humanly, but because in all things I know, though, you are sovereign, perfect, holy, omnipotent, omniscient, right, and just, So who am I to question all that you allow in my life and in our lives? I'm confident that you will never fail. You will never disappoint. You will never let anything go in vain. And you certainly will never make a mistake with anything. Lord, you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and you do not treat me as my sins really deserve. Lord, you've redeemed my life from the pit. You have forgiven and you will forgive all of my sins. You satisfy my desires with good things. You crown me with love and compassion and you heal. All my diseases. Through many personal health issues, you've guided and led me to amazing doctors who have treated me extremely well, but you, O Lord, have healed. Praise your holy name. No matter what opportunities you ordain for my life, my heart will not fear because my confidence is in you all the days of my life. And with all of my inmost being, I praise your holy name.
Grab a seat. Hey, Harvest, we're just getting started. Look at verse 4. Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing, how many things? One thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing, how many things? One thing will I seek after. The word ask, this is a present perfect tense, meaning uh, one time in the past, I asked, and I still presently, actively, continuously, I am still asking. This is not one time I, I asked, and then I stopped. This is eight years ago, I asked the Lord, and ever since then, every day, I am presently, continuously, still asking the Lord. Kids ask a lot of questions, don't they? We have a four-year-old son. He is an inquisitive little child. <laughs> Kids ask a lot of questions. I, I, I looked it up this week. I, I was doing some research. Did you know this is a, a conservative number? On average, 300 questions are asked by preschoolers each day. <laughs> let's, let's pretend my child sleeps for half the day. Easy math. Let's pretend, counting naps, that doesn't happen. Let's pretend 12 hours a day, okay? It's still 300 questions. <laughs> For parents who have like two or three or four or five kids, I don't know how you do it, right? Can I get a witness from parents with young kids? Do kids ask questions? Yeah. Incessant, per persistent Kids ask a lot of questions. That's 300 questions in 12 hours. That's 25 questions an hour. That's like a question every two minutes. <laughs> See, that's what David's doing here. He has a persistent question. It's not stopping. It's not going away. He is, he is asking a question. One thing have I asked, am I continuously, actively, ongoing? One thing I'm seeking, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That sounds like three things, not one thing. It's all saying the same thing, that, that David wants to encounter the Lord, that, that David wants to meet with the Lord, that he wants to encounter the, the presence of the Lord. If we were to apply this today, this, this is like obsession, that, that he wants to dwell with the Lord. He wants to gaze upon the beauty. He wants to inquire and hover and, and just be around the Lord. If, if we tried to apply this with somebody today who is not our wife, the only date we would get is a court date, right? I mean, there, there's healthy obsessions and there's not so healthy obsessions. And, and I don't know, this is almost somewhere in between. This, this is almost like restraining order kind of obsession that, that David is asking. He is all consumed with encountering the Lord. See, here's the point. If, if we apply this to prayer, unceasing prayer never stops seeking the presence of God. And we, th we see three things from this text that, that David wants to be with the Lord. He, he wants to dwell with the Lord. Sitting on the front porch, it's not gonna cut it. He, he doesn't wanna just look through the window. David's moving in. David wants to dwell with the Lord. I mean, the moving truck's out front. David's unpacking boxes as we speak. I don't know if the Lord's looking for a roommate, but David is moving in. 
with our prayer. Man, too often, we, we, get, we get so focused on the product of prayer, the, the, the outcome, the result, whatever we're asking for, we miss the person we're praying to. See, so often we get so consumed and so fixed on the product that we miss the point of prayer, and that is encountering, meeting with, talking with the presence of the Lord. Jesus tells us in our prayers that, that God is a good, that he is a generous, a gracious father, and he, he wants to give good gifts to his children. All we have to do is ask, but we get so hung up on that gift we forget that Jesus, that the Lord is the main gift, that encountering him, that's, that's the gift that we get to take away. And in spending time and meeting and talking with the Lord, that, that we are talking to the creator of the universe like he's our dad. We take that for granted. See, David wants to dwell with the Lord. He wants to encounter the Lord. He wants to gaze upon the, the beauty, that, that he wants to see the Lord. Man, if you're on a first date, you are, you're sitting in across the table, and if you are, are gazing upon the beauty, if you are staring into the, the face of your first date, that's going to be the last date. That's just, that's totally awkward. But if you've been married for like 20, 30 years, and, and, and you're sitting at the table, right, drinking your milkshake, and you're gazing across the table at the beauty of your spouse, you can get away with that because you have 20, 30 years of, of a history, of stories, of, of spending time, of building and developing this relationship. See, David wants to see the beauty of the Lord. The word beauty, it's, it's not attractiveness. It's not talking about appearance. It's, it's delightfulness. David wants to see the delightful things the Lord has done. See, David wants to see all of the good, all of the delightful, all of the beautiful things, the way the Lord has answered his prayers. You know the Lord answers prayer, right? Every prayer. The Lord always answers prayer, and every answer is always, 100% of the time, beautiful. It's delightful. It's good. It may not be what I'm thinking. <laughs> it may not be what, what I'm asking, but it's beautiful. It's 100% perfect. And David has seen this. He recognizes that he wants to gaze, that he wants to see the beautiful things that the Lord is doing. And because of that, he now wants to inquire in the temple. He, he wants more. He is obsessed. He wants to continue actively meeting with the Lord. He wants to keep praying. He's not stopping. He's not giving up. He wants to keep pursuing the Lord, keep inquiring of the Lord. I mean, that just makes sense. If, if the Lord's answering your prayers in beautiful, delightful ways, keep asking. David is obsessed with the Lord. This week, I was asking myself a question. In my prayers... Am I more obsessed with me or am I more obsessed with encountering the Lord? Look at verse five. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. 
See, the reason we pray is because God is the one with the power to move on our behalf. He is the one who, who can move for us. The power of prayer, it's, it's not our power, it's, it's his power. He will hide me. He will conceal me. He will lift me. See, God is the subject. He is the one doing the action on our behalf. We're just receiving the action of what the Lord is doing. And David says, he will hide me in his shelter, in his tent, lift me on a rock. All three of those places, they're, they're references in the Old Testament to the presence of God. David, is, he's concerned, he's just consumed with, with encountering the presence of the Lord because, because David knows he's not praying that, that God would change his circumstances. He, he's not praying that, that the Lord would remove the storm from his life. He's just praying that no matter what, the Lord will be with him in the storm. See, David knows the Lord will protect him. Verse six, now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. See, the result of, of God's presence in our life, it's two things. It's, it's his protection, but it's also an immediate change in our perspective. And going to the Lord in prayer that, that he wants to lift our heads upward above my enemies all around me, that, that in prayer, God wants to move our eyes away from the inward, away from the, the self-obsession, that, that he wants to move our, our focus upward, that the Lord wants to move our, our focus, not outward, what's happening around me. He wants to move our focus upward. He wants to lift up our prayers, lift up our heads because when he's the only thing that we are seeing, when he's the only thing that we're looking at, we only have one response. Look at the text. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Our response is worship. See, we, we worship whatever we are obsessed with and the Lord wants it to be him. In prayer, that he wants to move our eyes away from the inward, away from the outward. In prayer, he wants to move our, our eyes upward so that we can see him. And that's all that we see. Church, we want to be a vertical people. We want to be a people like this, looking upward. The Lord has done beautiful things among us. The Lord is the one with the power who is moving and acting on our behalf. The Lord is the one who answers our prayers. What has the Lord done for you? As the worship team leads us in this next song, we want to, to take some time to respond to the Lord. And, and we want to declare our story to give him the glory. And, and we've got two microphones up here. And I would love to have 10 people come to each microphone. And here's what we're going to do. It's, it's very simple. Fill in the blank. I was but God. I was, I was hopeless. But God gave me purpose. I was broken, but God restored me. I was an enemy, but God made me his child. See, we want to 
out loud declare that we can all overhear the great and mighty things the Lord has done in our life so we will not forget, so we will remind ourselves to build our faith to give us confidence in the Lord. We believe in the power of prayer because he answers. So we wanna declare today, can we have 10 people during this song? In the middle of this song, just come on up. We've got two microphones and we wanna hear what has the Lord done for you? The beautiful things that he has answered in your life. What has the Lord done? I was a rule follower, but God showed me his grace. I was angry, but God made me content. I was discontented, but God satisfied. I was hopeless, but God gave me hope. I was heartbroken with loss, but God gave me peace. I was fearful, but God made me triumphant. I was lonely, but God became my best friend. I was lost from him, but he guided back to me. I was addicted, but God set me free. I was absolutely depressed with no hope at all. God gave me joy. I was running the wrong way, but God grabbed me and turned me to Him. I was lukewarm, but God kept pouring into me. Unceasing prayer begins with declaring my confidence in God. It never stops seeking the presence of God, and it desperately, desperately cries out, for the grace of God. Let's look at verse seven. Hear, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. To cry aloud, this is, this is urgency, this is intensity, this, this is fervency. This is not the dinnertime prayer. This is not the bedtime prayer. This is not a soft, wimpy whisper. Think a couple thoughts and throw them over your shoulder. This is turning up your dial to max capacity. This is crying out. This is volume. This is something that you can only do when you're alone. Because if you think somebody might overhear you, you'll, you'll be too embarrassed, too insecure. See, this is crying out in desperation. This is humbling ourselves as a reminder that, that only God can do this, that I am completely inadequate, completely dependent, completely reliant on his grace to show up in my life. The Bible uses words crying out and calling out more in, in reference to prayer than anything else. And it is, it is volume. Crying out. We, we see that in, in scripture with a, a roar of a lion. As, as, uh, as armies are charging into battle, it is this, this high-pitched shrieking and screaming, this, this ear-splitting shrill, this is crying out. Church, we live in a, a noisy world, don't we? And the volume just keeps getting louder and louder and louder, and this is overpowering us, drowning us out. Something happens in the scriptures when people cry out, God answers. 
Maybe for you, maybe this week, this is something that you need to do. Maybe this week you need to get alone with the Lord and pray like you have never prayed before. Crying out, calling out to the Lord. Verse eight, you said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your, your face, Lord, do I seek. When, when we're talking to somebody, we, we don't talk to their kneecaps. We, we don't talk to the elbows. We, we, talk, we look them in the eye. We talk to their face. And, and David is just desperately trying to get a hold of the, ten, the attention of the Lord here. Is, Lord, look at me. Lord, I am seeking your face. That, that's what I want. Lord, look at me. Hear me. I am crying out. Lord, do you see me? The desperation in David's voice. Verse nine, hide not your face from me. Turn, turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Desperate people have nothing to lose. David's not trying to rescue his image. He's not trying to, to maintain his, his, his reputation. He, he has no shame here. He is, he is putting himself all out on the limb because he knows only the Lord can answer. Only the Lord can show up in power. Only God can move on his behalf. And he is, he is begging for grace. He is desperate for grace. I think this is a really good place to be in prayer and the Lord loves to show up and answer these kinds of prayers because only he can. Look at verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me. He's completely alone, completely abandoned. Nobody else. Desperate situations require desperate people with desperate prayers. This is the persistent, the, the fervent, the urgent prayer. The first step to, to praying like this, to, to crying out, the first step, it's humility, humbling ourselves. God, uh, the Bible says that, that God opposes the proud, that, that he rejects the proud. He, he stiff arms the proud, but gives grace to the who? To the humble. See, pride crushes our prayers. Pride crushes our prayers. Pride opposes, it stiff arms our prayers, pushing them back. The Lord wants to show grace to the humble, but the first step is acknowledging, Lord, I need help. Lord, I, I need help. Church, this, this morning is about a response to the word a response to the Lord. Do you have something that's weighing heavy on you? A burden? An ongoing problem? Just a, 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 a tension in, in relationships? Just, just something that's it's not easily fixed. These aren't all bad things. These can be good things. This can be praying for the salvation of a child or praying for the salvation of a loved one. But, but do you have something that's just just weighing on you, just, just heavy on you. Here's what I want us to do. Can you raise your hand? If you have something that's just weighing on you, we're not using microphones, we're not gonna be standing up, we're not gonna be crying out, it's just, if you have something that's weighing on you, good things, bad things, can you raise your hand as a, as a sign of, of 
desperation of, Lord, I need your help. This is a real struggle and I need your help. This is something, Lord, that, that only you can do. Can you raise your hand? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna keep our hands up because we're gonna feel the weight of our heaviness. We're gonna feel the weight of our burdens. We're gonna lift our hands. We're gonna lift them as high as we can, as long as we can. Keep your hands up. We're gonna feel because in a couple minutes, our shoulders are gonna begin to ache. We're gonna start losing, right? The blood's gonna be draining. We're gonna start losing the, fe the feeling in our fingers. Out of desperation, out of humility, this is a good place to be. This is where it starts. Lord, I have a real struggle and I need you to move on my behalf. I have a real struggle and Lord, I need you to show up. Lord, this is something that only you can do. Because right now, right now in heaven, Jesus is leaning over and he is listening. Right now, Jesus is interceding on your behalf. Just as the resurrection is real, Hebrews tells us that right now, Jesus is actively interceding on your behalf, that he is taking your request to God, that he is pleading with God the Father, begging God the Father to show up and to move, to answer your prayer. It's a real struggle. We feel the weight, the heaviness do you know when Jesus was, was praying in the Gospels, every single time Jesus prayed, my father, except for one time, on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because it's on the cross that God the father broke his relationship with the son so that he would never, never break that relationship with us that he would never abandon us, never forsake us, never leave us. So right now, Jesus, on your behalf, is your mediator. He is your advocate in heaven, crying out, begging for the Father to move on your behalf, to show up in glory, to do what only he can do. That's really happening right now. Do you feel the burn? It's getting heavy. Our struggles are real. Jesus doesn't want us to carry these burdens. He wants us to cast them upon him. We feel the weight, we feel the heaviness, and God hears our prayers. Desperate situations require desperate people with desperate prayers. Look at how verse 10 ends. Keep your hands up. Look how verse 10 ends. Verse 10 says, the Lord will take me in. I've got two young kids. And there is nothing like coming home and seeing them lifting their arms up, running down the hallway, screaming, Daddy, when they see me. And I get to pick them up and I get to take them in. The Lord wants to do that for you. Prayer is the Lord wants you to lift your hands up so he can take you in. You can put your hands down. How much better is our heavenly Father? Let's pray. Jesus, we believe. We believe right now you are leaning forward, that you are listening, that you are interceding on our behalf. And so, God, we beg for your grace. Strip us from pride. Crush anything that is not completely dependent on you. My struggle is real 
I need your help. Lord, your word declares that we should come to you with the burdens of our heart. We know that among this faith family, there are many needs. Some are known, but most are known only to you. Today, as a family, we bring our deepest hurts and our greatest longings to you. We bring the pains of life that often want to overwhelm us. We bring the worries of this life that want to choke out the truth that you have for us. Lord, we bring the strained and broken marriages that are part of this family. We bring the estranged children and parent relationships. We bring our young adult children who have known you, but have turned and are walking far from you. Lord, we cry out for you to intervene. We pray for restoration of homes and relationships because of your great love and mercy and because our hearts have become yielded to you. Father, bring us to our knees and cause us to fall on our faces before you and allow you to change us first and thereby change our homes and families. Lord, we bring those who are suffering, some physically with an illness that has so many unknowns, some financially, and they don't know how everything's going to work out, some emotionally, and they don't know where to turn for counsel, some who are lonely and longing to know a true friend. Oh, God, would you help us? Help us to know that we must turn to you We must cry out to you with our needs and then walk daily in the knowledge that for those of us who love you and are walking with you, that you will be working all things together for our good and for your glory. Lord, help us not to look to the world for answers. Help us not to get trapped trying to live in our own strength. Help us to look to you and call out to you. Father, you told Jeremiah to tell your children, the Israelites, Call to me, and I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Lord, I still believe you are the one, the only one with all the answers to the most challenging questions of life. You are the God with the knowledge we need to live in this day, this time in history. Lord, your knowledge and your resources are unsearchable, and we need you. Oh, God, help us. Lord, we seek your face. We seek your way. Father, we are desperate for you. We need you so very much. There's so many of us that are hurting right now. Sorrowful. Sad. And lonely and sick. We need you. Father, we are struggling, we're battling against sin in our lives and in the lives of others and in this world. We need you. Father, there's so many lost. There's so many people that don't know you here and in our families, and the city, Lord, give us courage to share the good news and do what 
only you can do, save many for your name's sake. Father, walk with us. Go before us. Help us. Teach us. Give us wisdom. Change us, please, for your glory. Father, forgive us for not trusting you. Help us to trust you more. Keep us desperate for you daily, hourly, moment by moment. And work mightily. Lord, we ask you work mightily in our lives and in and through this church family all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer has a posture. Before eating, what's the posture? <clears throat> right? Closing the eyes, folding the hands. Prayer has a posture. It's hard to hold a fork like this. Verse three, we, we stand in confidence. We have a posture of faith. Verse six, we, we lift our head up to the Lord, a, a posture of praise. Verse 10, we, we lift our arms up, a posture of humility. And this is the last one. This is the hardest one. Unceasing prayer ends with courageously waiting for God. Waiting. Waiting. Courageously waiting for God. Look at verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have been risen against me, and, and they breathe out violence. But I believe, I believe, I trust, I have faith, I have confidence, I believe that I shall look, that I will look, that tomorrow can be better than today. I have faith, I believe that I will look upon the goodness, the delightfulness, the beautiful things of the Lord in the land of the living. The land of the living, that's, that's not heaven. That's here. Heaven's gonna be a hundred billion times better, but even right now, we can see the goodness of the Lord, the evidence of the grace of the Lord. The hardest posture in prayer is waiting Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We're told twice to wait for the Lord. The Lord always answers prayer. He always answers in the best possible way, 100% of the time, and we have to wait upon the Lord. Be strong, take courage. This is the same words that, that Moses gave Joshua, that, that Joshua gave the people crossing into the promised land. And, and they waited for 40 years in the desert. 40 years they were waiting. But God wasn't a second late. We, we've heard this. Rarely is God early, but he is never late. We wait is that the same for you? Is that true for you? Are you waiting upon the Lord?
The worship team is gonna come up here and we are going to end this morning with a, a prayer of, of worship that we are gonna respond to the Lord as, as we are waiting. We are waiting and trusting and believing and waiting is not sitting back. Waiting is not the edge of your seat. Waiting is anticipation. Waiting is expectation. Waiting is trusting and knowing God is gonna show up. Tomorrow can be better. His answer may not be what I'm thinking, what I'm asking, but he will answer. And so we wait. We courageously wait on the Lord. Jesus will not stop interceding if we do not stop praying. That's unceasing prayer. Church, let's pray. Lord, we are waiting upon you. Lord, asking for you to do a work, for you to move, to you to show up. God, you are a good father, a generous father, a loving father. Lord, we ask that you would meet us, that you would encounter us. Lord, we will never walk away disappointed knowing we met with the one and true living God. So God, meet with us. Help us, give us patience. Give us the faith to believe. Give us the courage to wait upon you. Please, in the strong name of Jesus, amen.